Good Wednesday to you all, and welcome to this 20th day of April, day 110, in our journey through the Bible. Hello to everyone out there. My name is Hunter. I am your brother, someone who is showing up with you every day to spend some time together in the pages of the Bible. And I'm coming to you from a very beautiful Pacific Northwest here, a couple hundred yards off of the Pacific Ocean, not too very far from the mighty Columbia River. It's just beautiful, my friends. Today, I saw some whales off in the distance, spouting off, and I saw a bald eagle, and the sun was out. Alas, alas, the sun was out. It was just wonderful. <laughs> well, we're about to look into the wonders of his word today. It's going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 24. That's where we'll start. Then we go on to Psalm 57 and 58. Then on to 1 Chronicles chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 8 is where we will finish. Lord, thank you for the wonders of your world. Thank you now for the wonders of your word. Thank you for your son. We look to you now and ask that you'd help us to see him. 1 Samuel 24. After Saul had returned fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But when David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My lord the king! And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day, as you can see with your own eyes, it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As the old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds, so you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate, and he will rescue me from your power. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back. Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry, 
And he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you for all the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me by the Lord that when that happens you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. So David promised this to Saul with an oath. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went back to their stronghold. Psalm 57 For the choir director, a psalm of David regarding the time he fled from Saul and went into the cave, to be sung to the tune, Do Not Destroy. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lion harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among all the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. Psalm 58 For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be sung to the tune, Do Not Destroy. Justice, do you rulers know the meaning of the word? Do you judge people fairly? No, you plot injustice in your hearts. You spread violence throughout the land. These wicked people are born sinners. Even from birth they have lied and gone their own way. They spit venom like deadly snakes. They are like cobras that refuse to listen, ignoring the tunes of the snake charmers, no matter how skillful they play. Break off their fangs, O God. Smash the jaws of these lions, O Lord. May they disappear like water into thirsty ground. Make their weapons useless in their hands. May they be like snails that dissolve into slime, like a stillborn child who will never see the sun. God will sweep them away, both young and old, faster than a pot heats over burning thorns. The godly will rejoice when they see injustice avenged. They will wash their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then at last everyone will say, There truly is a reward for those who live for God. Surely there is a God who judges justly here on earth. First Chronicles 8 Benjamin's first son was Bela, the second was Ashbel, the third was Ahara, the fourth was Nohah, the fifth was Rapha. The sons of Bela were Adar, Gerar, Abihud, Abishua, Naam, Ahoa, Gerar, Shafufam, and Huram. 
the sons of Ehud, leaders of the clans living in Geba, were exiled to Manathath. Ehud's sons were Naman, Ahijah, and Gera. Gera, who led them into exile, was the father of Usa and Ahihud. After Shahiram divorced his wives, Husham and Barah, he had children in the land of Moab. His wife Hodesh gave birth to Jobab, Zibiah, Mishah, Malcam, Jeuz, Sakia, and Mirmah. These sons all became the leaders of clans. Shahiram's wife Husham had already given birth to Ahitub and Elpal. The sons of Elpal were Eber, Misham, Shemed, who built the towns of Ono and Lod, and their nearby villages, Uriah and Shema. They were the leaders of the clans living in Ajilon, and they drove out the inhabitants of Gath. Ahio, Shishak, Jermoth, Zebediah, Arad, Eder, Michael, Ishpah, and Johar were the sons of Bariah. Zebediah, Meshulam, Hizki, Heber, Ishmariah, Isliah, and Jobab were the sons of Ilpal. Chakam, Zikri, Zebdi, Elianiah, Zalathiah, Eliel, Ariah, Bariah, and Shimrath were the sons of Shemiah. Ishban, Eber, Eliel, Abdon, Zikri, Hanan, Hananiah, Elam, and Thothijah, Aphediah, and Penuel were the sons of Shishak. Shimshariah, Shehariah, Ataliah, Jaariah, Elijah, and Zikri were the sons of Jehoram. These were the leaders of the ancestral clans. They were listed in their genealogical records, and they all lived in Jerusalem. Jael, the father of Gibeon, lived in the town of Gibeon. His wife's name was Makkah, and his oldest son was named Abdon. Jael's other sons were Zur, Kish, Be'al, Ner, Nedab, Gedor, Ahio, Zechariah, and Mikloth, who was the father of Shemim. All these families lived near each other in Jerusalem. Ner was the father of Kish. Kish was the father of Saul. Saul was the father of Jonathan, Melchishua, Abinadab, and Eshbeal. Jonathan was the father of Meribbaal, Meribbaal was the father of Micah, Micah was the father of Pithon, Melech, Tereah, and Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Jadah, Jadah was the father of Alameth, Asmaveth, and Zimri. Zimri was the father of Moza, Moza was the father of Benia. Benia was the father of Raphahia, Raphahia was the father of Elysia, Elysia was the father of Azel, Azel had six sons. Azrikam, Bokuru, Ishmael, Shariah, Obadiah, and Hanan. These were the sons of Azel. Azel's brother Eshek had three sons. The first was Ulam, the second was Jeush, and the third was Lephelet. Ulam's sons were all mighty warriors and expert archers. They had many sons and grandsons, 150 in all. All these were the descendants of Benjamin. Matthew chapter 8 Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. 
This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I'll tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another of his disciples said, Lord, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. But Jesus responded, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves. Suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the wind and waves obey him. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him, Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance, so the demons begged, If you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs. The whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town, telling everyone what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the entire town came out to meet Jesus. But they begged him to go away and leave them alone.
And now may our Lord, who did not leave us alone, may he now give his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. The leper had a question. Is God willing? Is God willing to reach out with hands of compassion and touch him to make him clean? There's a good chance you may have had that same question. I think everyone has that question. Will God reach out to me? Will God touch me and make me clean? Or will God keep his distance? The Roman officer had that question for his slave. Is God willing to reach out with compassion and touch him? The crowds that lined up outside of Peter's mother-in-law's house, they all had that same question. Will God reach me too? Or will God keep his distance? We all want to know whether God cares enough, whether God is compassionate and he is willing to make up the distance. Because we surely can't. It's a fair question. We're all tempted to believe the negative, that God is not willing to make up that distance. In fact, religion has made a fortune selling us the lie of separation. The lie that God is separate from us. He's unwilling to make up the distance because of our uncleanness. He's holy, we are not, therefore God is separate from us. But separation is a lie. God is not unwilling to reach out with compassion and touch us in our uncleanness. The gospel is a direct contradiction to this lie. Jesus says, I am willing. I am here right now, just as you are right where you are. God has come to sit with us right at our worst, at our lowest. He's willing and he is present. He is not separate. He's with you right now. He has already unmasked the lie of separation and revealed to the world what God is really like. God is with us. God is willing. God is compassionate and God desires to set us free and to make us clean. And that, my friends, is such good news. And the prayer of my own heart today is that I will be rooted deeper and deeper into the gospel of union with God in Christ, that the lies of separation will be rooted out from my mind and my heart. And that's a prayer that I have for my family too, for my wife and my daughters and my son. And that's the prayer that I have for you. May it be so. You can find us at dailyradiobible.com. That's home base. That's where you can stop by, say hi. You can drop us an email at hunter at dailyradiobible.com. You can leave us a voicemail right there at that webpage. You can go old school and forget the web altogether and just reach out via the U.S. Post at Daily Radio Bible, P.O. Box 227, Seaside, Oregon, 
888-209-7138. Whatever way is a good way as far as we're concerned. We just love hearing from you. We love finding out a little bit about you, how you stumbled upon the podcast, who's responsible for you being here, all that stuff. Just reminds us that God is present. He's working somehow conspiring to draw us here to this place right here right now and that always just makes me full of wonder and awe it's it's a blessing to see how god has done that and the best part of course is when we actually get to see you face to face that happens every now and then and it's a good time when it happens So if you happen to be anywhere near the Oregon coast in the months ahead, be sure to reach out and we'll go grab a coffee or something. Maybe take a walk on the beach, take Finn out, go stretch our legs and see some of God's magnificent creation. If you are familiar with the Oregon coast, you know what I'm talking about. Speaking of web pages, we've got one in the works. You can go check it out. It's kind of in beta version right now it's drbkids.com you can check that out for us and poke around we're like i said it's in beta right now but right now we're trying to get a separate podcast page just for the kids you'll still be able to get the kids podcast at dailyradiobible.com but we want to have a page that's just for them just check it out speaking of the drb kids podcast Let me encourage you to share it with the children in your life. It is such a good time. We do what we do here, except it's for kids. We take a little time in God's Word. It's about four minutes a day. And in that reading, we also have a devotional. And in that devotional, we always point people to the love of God. And that is such a blessing to me to think that There are children out there who are being reminded every day that they're loved by God. That just fills my heart with, well, it just fills my heart, friends. (laughs) It surely does. Hey, this filled my heart, too. I'm glad we got to spend some time together today. And I plan on being back here again tomorrow to do it again. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, I plan on being here. Until that time, let's go forward in God's joy. Let's let his joy be our strength. And let us always remember this, that you are loved. No doubt about it. All righty, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. You guys take care. Bye-bye.